What's going on, guys? Michael here, Energy 360 Network by Intercom. Excited to be bringing you this interview with Premier Oilfield Group. But before I do that, I need to do a couple shameless plugs. One, first of the 360 Digital Closing Bell, which is hosted by me and Stuart Truly, who you will see in this interview. The 360 Digital Bell Closing Bell is the best way to stay updated on everything on energy finance and we are available on itunes spotify you can find us live on youtube every single day for a digital take we also drop a bi-weekly show that's available on all your favorite podcast platforms you can also find the energy 360 network book on intercom at www.oilandgas360.com you can also find that on itunes and spotify or wherever you get your playlist and this interview that we have with premier oil field group is awesome we interviewed frank zamora and blue share who are both senior vice presidents blue is actually the technology group frank is more just sort of overall and these guys do a great job of talking about really what happens and the process of shutting in wells it's not as easy as everybody thinks you think you can just boom shut off a well you actually can and they really get into the mechanics of how that works and what that really looks like on this call from um, oil and gas 360 side is Stuart Turley who you guys know from the 360 digital closing bell and Dan Genefis who's the director of consulting at Intercom it's an awesome interview I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to Stu to let it get kicked off We're here to talk about uh, Premier Oilfield Group and everything else. And uh, Frank, you want to just kick us off a little bit on uh, what Premier Oilfield Group is uh, targeting, and then we'll uh, turn it over for the questions and those kind of things. So, okay. I mean, basically, from a overall perspective, I mean, Premier is an independent lab, and right now we're focused on doing a particular study in with re with regards to shut-ins. So, you know, trying to take the independent look and basically go out there and try to support whatever the operators need to, to help make good decisions. Yeah, I, I, so I'll, I'll throw out the first question and say, uh, certainly in the current commodity price environment, shut-ins are going to be a reality <clears throat> out in the oil field. Uh, what percentage of wells right now do you think are already shut in uh what percentage do you think we'll get to and what do operators need to keep in mind uh, uh before they shut in what do they need to be doing to make sure that when when we come back out of this they can get those wells producing so maybe i can jump in here i mean uh, of the operators that we've interviewed uh uh, I would say most of them have already shut in 20%. Uh, depending on the size of the operator, they're planning on looking at shutting in another 20%. Uh, or if you're a very small cap at that point, you're looking at shutting in most of your wells. Uh, so uh, it, it is a, a large portion of wells that have been impacted. And uh, generally the concern is around uh, currently the screening on what to shut in when you've had the luxury to screen it's been based on a simple metric like LOE uh, the LOE to a large extent assumes that uh, it doesn't change afterwards and our concern is more around the fact that the shut-ins we've looked at seem to show some sort of impairment uh, post shut-in in terms of once the wells are being brought back so what, what, what should an operator be considering looking at uh, when, you, when you say kind of doing an evaluation uh, of the well broader than just LOE? Um, what do they need to be looking at in terms of the reservoir, uh, in, in terms of uh, 
the 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 flowback uh, characteristics of a well. Sure, Frank. Maybe you can touch in on what we what we're doing on the fluid side, and then I'll jump in straight after that. Okay. I mean, uh, basically, from a from a well perspective and from a formation characteristic, I mean, it, it's a very very large piece of the puzzle here. That what we're trying to do is is just grab a few of the pieces and try to make some decisions. For example, we have wells that are producing different types of waters. There's different types of formation, different mineralogy in the formation. So when you shut in the well, all of this is going to commingle. They're all going to interact with each other. And what we need to try to understand is how do those fluid to formation interaction, what, what's happening, what's, what's occurring, whenever that happens. So what we're trying to evaluate is that compatibility between the fluids that are being produced and the actual rock that it's that those fluids are actually going to encounter. Perfect. Yeah. So there's the there's the fluid rock interactions, there's the fluid fluid interactions. Most of the time people's assumptions when it comes to I'll shut in the well and it'll go right back on track is valid if your pressure is good. And if you're not communicating across a couple of horizons, uh, in a lot of the Permian and Delaware and even Newford, you start to see fracks that grow up pretty high connecting multiple reservoirs. Uh, at that point, uh, when you're producing the wells, these, well, these fluids are just mis mixing in the frack at small volumes. The moment you shut in the well, that's when you force and mixing up the wellbore and throwing a lot of fluids back onto formation. So what Frank said about the compatibility between uh, the fluids across different horizons and when you drop that fluid back onto the formation, the impact of that, what that fluid will do on the, on the clays. Uh, and then also what we've seen is the capillary effects. Uh, as soon as you have low pressured reservoirs, uh, for example, uh, you can look at uh, either through depletion or in like the lower sprayberry shales in the Permian, uh, which typically set up normal pressure at best to underpressured. Uh, the capillary forces can overwhelm and prevent it from coughing back the fluid. Uh, and thus you'll land back, putting the well back online after spending a little bit more money than what you thought you'd spend. And then it comes back sometimes producing more of the fluids that you have to dispose. And instead of your LOE staying the same, it lands up going higher and the well performance deteriorates. And that's kind of what we focus on. And a lot so, of this information is readily available because you're already producing the fluids yeah, and you already have the mineralogy. So whether it's through cutting or whether it's through core, and we can do those kind of analysis very quickly. So, so based on the analysis, you can advise uh, an EMP as to, uh, you know, kind, kind of uh, rank which wells would be, you know, probably best to shut in versus uh, least likely to be shut in if you're going to shut in wells based on that uh, lab work. You know, again, I mean, these are just a, these are just a, a small piece of the pie that we're trying to look at. There's a lot of other things that you need to take into consideration. Again, you have the parent-child well interacting that's occurring from a reservoir perspective. So, but these are this is a piece of information that we can then, I mean, we can very quickly get our hands on, do the analysis and get and start gathering the rest of the information to help make 
better decisions or make good decisions. At least we're enabling our customers with better information to try to make these decisions. So if you look at a typical operator that's very efficient, the number of wells that they've shut in is probably less than 5%. So an efficient operator, if he has to go and figure out what's going to happen to my wells when I shut in, the data set that he's got on his own is really very sparse. The smaller the operator is, sometimes the more percentage of wells that have encountered a shut-in longer than 30 days, that's not for a frack offset. So a, a single operator on his, on his own will struggle just even off production data to get an idea of which horizon of the multiple horizons they're landing in, which horizon is the most sensitive to shut-in. So our first part of our study is actually screening uh, across the different production data sets we'll get across all the different clients where we've seen which horizons are most susceptible to impairment. The next part, uh, we own the premier sample library, which has about 200,000 wells in it with cuttings, about 240 million samples. So we've got access to mineralogical data, which makes us quite unique in terms of our ability to address uh, this challenge. So once we understand the impairment, we can go into that library, get the mineralogy data, and then get your produced fluids and like Frank was saying, we can start looking at whether this is one of the reasons for the impairment uh, and then lead off with possible solutions around that. Gotcha. Is there, is there something, uh, so uh, that, that would be post shut-in. Um, is there something that operators should be considering prior to shutting in, uh, you know, some sort of well treatment, some sort of methodology in terms of the shutdown prior to uh, that'll help that well come back online? Frank, you want to start off? I, I, I mean, that's a that's a tough question. <laughs> sure. Uh, the, uh, you know, the one thing that we have going for us right now is through this study is that we're going to have the opportunity to look at multiple type of wells that are already being shut in, and then being able to investigate how those wells actually um, performed after the shut in. So. That's going to be a data point that we'll be able to utilize for future shut-ins uh, as far as what and how to advise a customer on how and what wells need to be shut in. I mean, you really have to understand the field and you really have to understand what all is involved in that. I think most of the operators are, uh, have, have knee-jerk reaction initially, which rightfully they were asked to shut in just because of storage capacity. Uh, they're forced to immediately shut in wells, which is that top 20%, which is of LOE, which makes sense. Uh, and in a week to two weeks, you'll be forced to shut in a lot more. Now, what uh, some of the private equities and banks and operators are worried about is uh, the deck of slides that a few people have that shows maybe a certain degree of impairment that may be biased to the sample size that you're looking at. So if I go look at one operator's shut-in data, I maybe could come out with a hypothesis that there's a lot of impairment, just because I happen to look in one part of the basin where there's a particular clay type where it's a certain pressure regime. Our effort here is to gather something that's statistically relevant in the first, in the first phase, 
look at wells across a large scale and combine multiple operators shutting data together to understand at where the impairment is and what the degree of impairment are and what the drivers are based on production data that we initially see and then look at whether these are driven off the clays or the fluids that they produce or even geomechanics in terms of what fluids are being forced to commingle under these uh, circumstances. So, so within an EMP, uh, who needs to who needs to have an understanding of the the impacts uh, of shut in um, and be having these conversations and looking at this data and understanding it? So most of the time, it's sitting on the, uh, the either the desks of the production engineers uh, or the res reservoir engineers. Uh, the reservoir engineers are most of the time looking at uh, the decline curves and the LOEs uh, and they kind of assign in the production team the responsibility to shut in certain wells. So I think the reservoir engineers first need to be uh, aware of the data sets uh, that we're generating around the degree of impairment associated with wells. Once they have an idea of that, uh, they'll get a better idea as to whether their solution is available. In some cases, you'll still be forced to shut the well in. Uh, now the question is whether or not uh, my decline curve needs to be changed after I bring that well online, or if I need to bullhead a certain treatment ahead of the time, or if I need to do some sort of intermittent treatment uh, between now and the time I'm deciding to bring it in. So uh, that's kind of, so to answer your question, yeah, production and reservoir engineers are the ones that need to get this. You know, okay. uh, Blue, thank you very much. I'll tell you what, between the uh, pile, uh, child parent wells and the uh, 200,000 wells worth of data that you guys have, that's all critical information. Uh, do you guys have another round the horn, Dan, Frank, and uh, Blue that you want to address here? Yeah, I'll, I'll just say, you know, this is a reality that the, that the uh, uh, oil and gas market is definitely going to have to deal with. We're going to see more and more shut-ins, uh, and the more knowledgeable we are about that, uh, the more we invest in creating data, I think the better prepared we'll be uh, as ENPs, uh, as an industry, to kind of come out and, you know, ultimately we want to be efficient. You know, if we're going to drill a well uh, and, and we're going to put it on production, we want to make sure that we're getting as, as much of the resource uh, to generate ROI. So, uh, this is clearly an important topic. And it's a good opportunity because there's going to be a tremendous amount of wells that are being shut in. So it's a good opportunity to learn for any kind of future shut-in cases that we might have to encounter. So yeah, again, it's an opportunity as well to learn more about what to shut in in the future if that ever needs to happen. Yeah, I would agree. I think this is a time for our industry to be proactive on something uh, that's again, uh, could be a setback, but if we proactive and we move fast enough, uh, I think we can uh, address this. And the only way to address this is uh, in a collaborative environment. Yeah, collecting data. Uh, so so uh, Frank and Baloo, uh, if, if, if a reservoir engineer that, that watched the video wants to get more information, how, think, how can they get more information or have a conversation with you guys? The website is, yeah, the, the website uh, always has our contact details. 
Uh, it's either uh, Frank Zamora at POFG.com or Billy Cherian at POFG.com. So our website has all the details. Our LinkedIn's uh, also have all the details. So those are probably the easiest ways to reach out to us. Great. Sounds fantastic, guys. Really appreciate you all, and thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank, thank, thank you for the opportunity. Everybody.